1: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs, across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper, on AFR Talk.
0: Thank you for joining us today. And today, we're going to, again, concentrate on missions, but uh, WWJD missions, what would Jesus do? Um those of us that are my age remember that quite well. People were wearing a, ra- a bracelet or a necklace, and it'd say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, uh, I-, I wanted to say that what Jesus did is WJD, what Jesus did. And uh, I want to be that way and do it as well. And the thing we're looking at today is missions and seven commands. And uh, Nathan? Harper is our co-host, as usual, and uh, he's the one that, uh, I'll just say this, he's the one that gives the impetus to this, and I appreciate it. We couldn't do this program without Nathan because he's the driving force behind it, and I appreciate that. So, Nathan, when we talk about the seven commands of Jesus, um, somebody had to come up with that, you know, sort of like a sermon sermon. Uh, yeah. You know, I heard the sermon, but who uh, who developed that sermon? So the seven commands of Jesus. I know there were more commands in the Bible than that, but why
1: seven? Yeah, I mean, you could you could say every command in the Bible. Um, I don't know if anybody's counted all of them. Somebody, I'm sure, has, but um, all of those are from Jesus ultimately. Um, but in the gospel specifically, um, you could probably count up somewhere between fifty and one hundred different. Uh, commands that Jesus gave, some probably explicit, um, definitely command uh, that he would give his disciples or others, and then maybe a few others that are implied. But if you kind of boiled those 50 to 100 commands of Christ down and categorize them, you could find basically seven general, really they're not even general, they're pretty specific seven specific commands that Jesus would give over and over again in different scenarios.
0: So uh, when we do this today, we want to develop this. We, on Exploring Missions, we love to give you an interview of someone that is doing missions or a story of somebody that did missions. That's part of our format. Once in a while, we'll do something a little bit different than that. But we usually have an interview or we have a, a story about a missionary in this case it's a story about a missionary that really was on the field and uh, looking in Bible study and figuring out how to do this and he discovered it and it's become a pattern
1: am I right yeah that's right um, George Patterson uh, is he's still living um, he's he's uh, still in mission work uh, he he spent about 21 or so years in Central America uh, he and his wife Denny. I, I've not met George. I've had the privilege of meeting his his daughter, um, but George, for 21 years, mostly in Honduras, developed some you could call them best practices for mission for missionaries that have now, from the little country of Honduras, uh, through George's influence and training, he he's also a professor uh, at a seminary and. He, he travels around the world training and mentoring other missionaries and other, uh, other leaders in some of these principles. So those from Honduras have gone all over the world and have Im- impacted the world to the point where just about almost every church planting movement uh, you can pinpoint in the world today uh, springs back to uh, the influence of George Patterson.
0: I'm amazed at this, and it goes back to my pastoring years. Uh, Sunday school was always the small group method for years and years. Now, Sunday school is still with us, but we also have other small group movements. And and it was Flake's formula in Sunday school, and it was taken all over, especially in Southern Baptist life, but it was also developed for other denominations because these five principles that uh, Author Flake discovered. So here it is: the Seven Commands of Jesus is something George Patterson would discover, and others would take and say, "Hey, this this not just works in Honduras. This works because it's a biblical yeah, uh, model."
1: That's right. And I've, i you know, we use this. Uh, I'm a part of a mission agency called Global Frontier Missions. Uh, there, that I live in Clarkston, Georgia, uh, where a lot of refugees have been resettled. Many of these refugees are from parts of the world where they don't have access to the gospel. So as we evangelize and share the gospel, uh, we see people following Jesus and, and disciples are being made. What do we do with someone when they first follow Jesus as a new uh, infant, a new baby in, G- in Christ? Uh, we don't want to leave them as infants. We want to see them matured and, and made disciples in, in, and yeah, full maturity in Christ. And so the very first thing most of the time that we will do is take them through these, these teachings of the seven commands of Christ. And not only does it work in Honduras and in mission fields all across the world, in Asia and Africa, Latin America, but it also is being uh, employed here in the United States. I've even trained this um, to a senior adult group in a, um, in a small town Southern Baptist church and you know, These are people who have been believers for more years than I've been alive, and they've said to me after they hear this teaching of the seven commands of Christ, why didn't someone teach me this before? If I was a new Christian and this, these are the first things that I heard that this is what you do as a follower of Jesus, you obey Jesus' commands— it would have changed my life.
0: Amen. One more thing I want to say before we start these seven commands. Hope we got everybody's interest and they've got their pen out and paper out if it's they're not driving, and we'll, we'll write them down. But here it is. I, I find this amazing. You know, most of us go to college and then we go to seminary, and that is so good. I'm glad we do. But, you know, what really is discovered is out there in the real life, in the real world, uh, George Patterson didn't discover this in a seminary. He discovered this on the mission field.
1: Yeah, but he, and he didn't even get to Honduras with that mindset. He he came with a typical traditional American or Western mindset of uh, the you know the real faithful, mature followers of Jesus. They will get training, maybe go to seminary, like you said, or Bible college, and then they will become leaders in the churches and and but you know the rural areas and the mountainous areas in Honduras where he was ministering people couldn't travel to the to the to the cities they they couldn't get that training and so it, it this developed out of a a process called theological uh, education by extension so it's basically like you know an extension school of a seminary where you take the training or the seminary to the local villages
0: Okay. we got about 20 minutes left in the program today to share these seven commands of Jesus. So I, I guess it'd be a good time to get started. So Nathan, okay. take us through this, and we'll make comments
1: along the way. So as we jump in, uh, we need to keep in mind just one paradigm uh, before we do, actually, is you know, if you think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, one of the commands that Jesus gives is to go make disciples of all the nations— baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them—now, see if you could fill in the blank—teaching them to do what? Observe all things. Observe or of, obey,
0: right? Obey all things
1: yeah. whatsoever I've taught you. So this is where we kind of get off track in, in the West many times. We generally, we, what we call discipleship, what we call uh, religious education, spiritual um, leadership or whatever, we— we kind of fill in the blank with the word know or knowledge. Yeah. We, we like to think we teach so we can know something. And if we know something well enough or deep enough or strong enough, then we'll actually maybe start doing it. When Jesus was discipling his apostles, he didn't stay in the classroom, did he? No, <laughs> he, he didn't. He didn't carry a chalkboard around with him or whatever. But um, he, we're, we're, we're taught so we might obey. right, And it's in obeying that we actually come to knowledge. Not the other way around. So, so it's really two different paradigms. One paradigm is a, uh, is a Hebrew paradigm where you, you obey and you do and you uh, go through these actions. And through that process, you come to a deeper knowledge and understanding. The other mindset is a, is a Greek kind of paradigm where you learn and you know and you discuss and you try to understand. And eventually you will obey. A
0: lot of churches have developed the Greek paradigm. We've I'm been afraid. on the
1: Greek paradigm for mm. for hundreds of years, yeah. and I mean, we can see the results of that. Right. And so, the seven commands of Christ come out of this obedience-based discipleship, not knowledge-based. knowledge-based discipleship. So, knowledge-based discipleship kind of puffs us up with our knowledge in our heads, and it's almost like we get too our heads get too heavy to actually move our feet.
0: You and, know when Peter was talking about some characteristics, and he said, "Before knowledge, what you want to add to your faith is virtue. Yeah, virtue is acting it out. Yeah, yeah, acting it out, and then and then knowledge. Yeah. So this is important. So let's let's see how far we can go. We okay. are we going to see if we can do it and not
1: cut any of them short. So uh, the first command uh, you could you could say is to love God and love people, and you know that's what the uh, the Pharisees came and asked Jesus. Right? They said Jesus. Uh, what is the greatest command? Um, or sometimes maybe Jesus would ask them, what is the greatest command? What do you think? What is the What does the scriptures teach? And of course, we know it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself.
0: You know, those churches, and I want to make sure before I, we've talked about knowledge, but Sometimes knowing in the scriptures is different than what we say we know. Yeah. To know someone in the scriptures is to have an in- intimate relationship with them that leads to servanthood and serving them. So if you use the paradigm, know Jesus and make him known, you need to really clarify what it means to know him. Yeah. And it has to do with this love God and love people. That's right. So those two those two are synonymous in honesty if you if you use the biblical uh, word of know, and not just not just knowledge, but intimate uh, relationship that leads to
1: serving one another. That's right. And it's, it's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. Exactly. And this is the knowing God personally, loving God, loving your neighbor, loving other people. And so it's displayed in specific actions, because, you know, even... The the New Testament writers would talk about you could say you love your brother um, or you love God, but if you if it doesn't play out in specific actions, the way you live and treat them, then you're actually lying.
0: The Book of James said, you know, you say you have faith, faith that works is dead, been alone. So a lot of people who are listening today, I don't mean to be mean toward you, but I do want to be honest toward you. Faith without works is dead. then alone. Don't don't get caught with a
1: dead faith. So as we think about this idea, this command of loving God and loving people, it has those two kind of aspects to it: loving God and flowing out of that. Then we will love our neighbor as ourselves. It's similar to the cross: vertical, yeah. horizontal. That's right. And so if you picture a cross on one side at the top, you could have the category of loving God, and under loving God, we're going to look at three specific commands that relate vertically to God. And then on the other side, love people or love your neighbor. And we're going to look at three specific commands that fit under that category of loving people that kind of relate horizontally or relationally how, how we treat others.
0: So you've got to have something before you give it away. <laughs> That's
1: right. So it starts yep. with loving God mm-hmm. and loving people. And you can even attach a Bible story to this. You can think about the, uh, the parable of, that Jesus told the Good Samaritan. And how the Samaritan actually demonstrated his love toward God, even though he's a Samaritan, by being a good neighbor. Mm. So loving God, loving people, that's our first command that we want to, uh, to put into practice. And that's what we want to teach a new believer. I mean, imagine this. If you're a brand new follower of Jesus and the first thing that you're discipled or you're taught to do is you know that God loves you, but you're also to love him.
0: You know, uh, we'd say and you believers, we always say it, you need to read first John and the gospel of John. Yeah. Okay. Which has to do with love. Yeah. I mean, but again, just reading those has the idea of knowledge. Yeah. So we, we were right, but we weren't we weren't taking it for enough. In incomplete. other words, Yeah. Not we,
1: incorrect, but exactly. incomplete.
0: And so we're talking about completing the task. And, right. and it's loving God, not just knowing him and knowing about him, but knowing him and serving him, obeying him. That's right.
1: So under love, God, let's look at the next three commands. Uh, the, fir- the next one. So the second command of Christ is to repent and believe. Um, many times this, this is one of the commands that gets a little bit uh, changed up depending on denominations or depending on uh, what type of person. Uh, George Patterson being in Latin America taught. Uh, the second command is to repent of your sins, believe in Jesus, and receive the Holy Spirit um sometimes in other circles that receive the holy spirit gets gets kind of forgotten or dropped off uh but I think all three are important uh repent believe, and receive
0: that that would be so vital because he the Holy Spirit is the power yes he he's i I love this and I know it's a little bit uh on the vernacular, but he doesn't give power. He is the power. Mm. In me dwelleth no good thing. The Holy Spirit comes in me, and he comes in power. That's right. He doesn't come to bring power. He is power, just radiating through my life. So more of the Spirit, more power. Amen.
1: And so we mean we need to be, you know, go on being filled with the Spirit every day. Um, and so, you know. Many, many people teach that as you follow Jesus, that moment that you are uh, saved, that moment that you are justified and regenerated, uh, you also are filled and dwelled with the Holy Spirit.
0: Let me make this real quick, and we we may wind up doing two programs on this the way we're going, uh, Nathan, but that's all right if we do. You know, a lot of times, ministers... There's a relationship with the Spirit. We're all, as a follower of Christ, we are indwelled with the Spirit of God. But He wants to empower us, and that's yes. for the walk with God. Yes. And you know, it's over again, it says, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes. And that's for everyday living, that's for everybody. But then there's, there's two words in the Old Testament, it, it has the idea of anointing. In the New Testament, you hear the word unction the unction of the Spirit, same same yes. word, and that is for the task that God gives. It's like, have you ever heard that? He gives more grace yes. at times in our lives when we are desperate for help. I've, I've needed it when I was preaching. I've needed it when I was witnessing, training. He gives more grace. He gives more power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Amen. So you don't want to live on the anointing. You mm-hmm. live On the filling. In the filling. Yes. And you work out of the anointing. That's right. And that's a whole different program, too. We may go there as well, but we better go on. (laughs) Okay. So
1: the second command, then, is to repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. Um, The third command is to baptize or be baptized. So in the case of a new believer, you want them to be baptized. And one of the things that the legacies of George Patterson is really kind of a coming back to a a New Testament, a biblical uh, paradigm and understanding of baptism. In that baptism, every time we see it in in the New Testament, that it's that's being followed correctly. Uh, it seems like baptism is is immediate upon upon someone's confession of Jesus as their Lord, upon salvation.
0: You see it every time, and I believe in it. I, We've had discussions uh, since I've been able to work here at AFR. I've worked more than just, quote, the denomination that I was trained in and pastored in for years, and we get into the area of baptism and where it fits. I just want to tell you, it is vital to to discipleship. Uh, Can someone go to heaven and not be baptized? I think the answer is obvious to that, yes, because we know those did, but— not being baptized when you can is saying something about your faith not being as uh, either lack of knowledge mm-hmm. of, of what right. God word said or disobedience because right. baptism is important to be baptized but also to
1: baptize. That's right. So it's it's the same idea of not just uh, receiving but also giving. And so if you're going to be a disciple. You are also to make disciples, and so baptism is one of those that we're all to be baptized, but then we're to turn around and be ready to baptize others who who are at that point.
0: Well, I'm making a call here, and we're going to make this probably into two, two okay. programs, Nathan, because I just got to spend some time here. One of the greatest things that I started doing in the church where I pastored, we would see these fathers who were... Uh, just instruments of God in leading their children to the Lord is. Let me ask you this: Is there a biblical mandate that the person who baptizes someone has to be the ordained minister?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I have found we that we don't in get the that scripture. in the Bible. We, we don't get we that, get that the, through some sort of tradition that's that has tradition. been handed down by men.
0: Um, but, it's the authority of the church. Yes, I do believe that. Yes. It's the authority of the church. But the church can give that authority to someone else other than the, quote, ordained minister. Yes. So what we started doing, and I, I would be in the baptistry with him, or you. When you were on staff with me and you were on staff, you'd be in the baptistry to assist because it was new. But we would have fathers baptize their, their children. And I just want to tell you. It meant more to me to be involved in the ministry that way of the ministry of baptism than it did for me to do it myself. Yeah. I, that, and remember what Jesus said? He said, I haven't. didn't come to baptize. John did the baptism. Yeah. Paul said, exactly, uh, yeah, Paul. What, what was it Paul yeah, said?
1: Paul would write and he would say, uh, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. And then he started remembering, <laughs> well, I baptized maybe you and you, and maybe three or four of you, but everybody else. Yeah. Where you were baptized by someone else,
0: but I, I, you know, we're not trying to put that out as something you should do in your church. We're just saying that's what God led in my heart, in my life to see that baptism is important, and uh, have that person that is has led them to the Lord. Yes, uh, the person that has taken them through family devotions. Um, I think he, the father saying, "I was baptized." Okay and I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm baptizing you, and you follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, that that was the thought that we had when we
1: were yeah. practicing that. And since since we went ahead and opened up this can of worms, <laughs> uh, let me go ahead. And, I can do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm and guilty. And this is something I'm pretty passionate about. And George Patterson was passionate about it. And this, is some, this was, of all the seven commands, the way this was practiced caused more uh, controversy, I guess, by the – The old way of doing things, the established, yeah, this the traditional kind of understanding. But I hate to say it, and I I say this with all respect. But in this in this one particular case, the tradition was wrong. Um, Is that if I mean, think about this: if the only person in your church that can do baptism is the pastor or the one or two ordained uh, people, then this command of Christ to baptize. The command is actually not to be baptized. That's assumed that we're going to be baptized. But the command is to baptize, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If all believers are given that command to baptize, but only one person in your local church can do it, 99% of the people in your church are being disobedient.
0: Okay, here I'll give you this. Here's Philip along with the Ethiopian eunuch. And he taught him about baptism, and he says, "Here's water. What hinders me to be baptized?" Yeah. Philip didn't say, "Oh, we got to go." Well, let me show you my papers that I've yeah. been been ordained. Yeah. So I, you know, you and I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm your dad, so I'm a generation older than you, but uh, I, George Patterson saw it, and he saw it in yeah. Honduras. I, I saw it here can, in the States Can I give you well. a story
1: of how this actually has been Go played ahead. out? Go ahead. So like I've mentioned, I, I serve in Clarkson, Georgia, where a lot of refugees are. So we have uh, one of the uh, church planters that, uh, that I've been privileged to help train. Uh, it's actually a young lady, and she has learned to speak Nepali, and she works in the Nepali-speaking community there in Clarkson, um, which is about twelve to 15,000 Nepali-speaking people in the Atlanta area. And she, you know, evangelizes, shares the gospel. with well, this one particular family, she was able to share the gospel uh, with the whole family. And just about every member of that family came to follow Jesus. And so to obey this command, uh, the way this played out in that family was she was able to baptize the, the, the grandfather oh, wow. in the bathtub. Okay, because <laughs> this is the middle of the winter. It's cold outside. We don't have a you know, a baptistry to go to, we're, we're, we're planting a house church in this home, and so she baptizes the grandfather. She gets out of the, the grandfather stays in the tub, and his son, the father, gets in the tub, and, and the grandfather baptizes the father. And then the son gets in, and, and the father baptizes the son. And so we see multiple generations uh, obeying this command. And so this is being played out like this all over the world, um, through this understanding of baptizing.
0: And we just say this is a command of Jesus, and it was. It was a strong command. It, you know, the Great Commission, it is part of that. Well, let, let's go to the fourth one. We haven't got a lot of time, but let's do that. And then we're going to do the second program, and we'll re- do these two weeks consecutively, and that way we'll stay on track. Okay. But what is, what is the fourth command?
1: So the fourth command is to pray, simply pray. Um, and, you know, there's not much we can make commentary about that because it's a simple, basic, but essential command of Christ. Um, and you know it's in, it's interesting when, uh, like Matthew uh, chapter six, you see the disciples come to Jesus and say, "Lord, teach us to pray." Um, you know they were they noticed that their their master their teacher was a, a person of prayer, and so they they realized this this Jesus this person of prayer has all this power. Uh, that he's living, uh, following God in, and and exhibiting this power of God uh, to to uh, do incredible miracles and things. They wanted to be a part of that, and so they they recognize that prayer is the way that you uh, participate in that power, that power that God has. So teach us to pray. pray. Yes.
0: Okay. I think there's a after you become born again. There's a desire. And I started to say a natural desire, but let me say a supernatural desire mm-hmm. to commune with the Father. Yes. But uh, you can be trained to be more effective. Yes. And the effectiveness. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, part of effectual means effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the best prayers that I know are in the Bible. Okay. Uh, I love the the book of colossians okay and i love paul's prayer for the colossi church that they might be field. i love the word "filled." i'm mm-hmm. when i say the word "filled" in the bible it's like gravitation to me that you might be filled with the knowledge of the will of god for your life man uh that's the purpose and and, and rick warren did that and he knocked it out of the park when he wrote the purpose-driven life we were born with purpose and that purpose is, is many times discovered and, I would say, filled out
1: through, through prayer, Nathan. Yeah. And there's, there's millions of people in this world today who have no clue. They have the desire in their heart that they might not even can, can express verbally, but they have no idea that as an individual, as a person, as a created being, you can commune, you can talk to and even listen to the Creator, the Father. And it's through Jesus that they can do this.
0: It's available to you, Seven Commands of Jesus. We've gone over four of them. So you're going to have to stay around and tune in next week to find out the last three, and we're going to go through those. And it's the Seven Commands of Jesus, and it really has to do with more than missions. But it lets us know this is the mission of our life. And so we want you to tune in next week. Tell someone about Exploring Missions. Tell someone about AFR Talk. and, And so others can be a part of the family because we want to be on mission for God. Nathan, thank you for being with us today. And we appreciate you listening. And we pray you have a great day here on the Lord's Day. And may you be blessed. And may you bless others.